0: If it's useful, yeah, but I'm just going to record, right? Yeah. So, uh, yes, you had a question, Anna. You have a question? Uh, yes, uh, yes sir. actually, uh, I had a question regarding the reaction of Golliver. this uh, reaction was a bit strange and it's normal in the, pushing, the pushing. Uh, yes, uh yes, yes. Normally, if someone sees something like this, hmm. one should have been uh, terrified and freaked out. But Oh uh, yeah, yes. Uh, so you're trying. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't get the earlier part because it was a little too loud, right? But uh, yeah, you're saying his reaction was very calm. Gulliver, as a character in the text, yeah. His reaction is very calm. Is that what he's saying? Yes, yes, sir. Uh, yeah, and you expected him to be. To React uh, very violently? Yes, I will mean, uh, not very, it uh, gets kind of violent. They want to have you sneak down on seeing such little creatures roaming around him. Yeah, yeah, so what, what, okay, yeah, that's a very, very good question. Yeah, and I'll try to answer it, right? Yeah, and uh, yes, so first of all, what Swift is trying to do is he's talking at one level. Caliber is in some ways yeah right in some ways uh, yes uh, you you've asked this question what is the other one there is you're saying but there is ah, that's very but they are tenth of a size yeah yes no the question is uh, you have the idea of the little people and the gentle giant right so the giant can crush them, right? That's what Alice does in uh, Looking Out, House, whatever that is. Alice in Wonderland, one of the parts where you have uh, these people trying to dictate things to them, the, the 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 judges and all those kind of things, which are lizards and all sorts of animals, right? Yeah, and Alice, uh, Alice says, "You just put a pack of cards," and that's how she gets up from the dream, right? Yeah. So uh, what happens over here is. He's talking about the gentle giant, right? Yeah, and the question is if you're an educated person and if you're a sensitive person and if you're this kind of philosopher king, okay, your suffering will not be understood by the little midgets. Do you get that? Right? Yeah. Nobody is going to understand this and that's what a lot of... Uh, bureaucrats, even in the Indian civil services and the administrative services and other services, right, keep saying, right, because you have actually be sensitive to these people, right, and they might throw slings and arrows at you, right, yeah, and this is, that's why this text, which is called the Tale of the tub, becomes important, right, because the Tale of the tub is actually talking about this Everything being afloat and all those kind of metaphors to keep operating, but the question is, what do you do know when you have the Catholics, the Protestants, and the dissenters, right? And of course, Swiss sentiments are with the Anglican High Church, perhaps, right? Yeah, and you're you're trying to find a balance over here, and the only kind of position that you can have, which is the balance position, is this idea of the gentle giant, right? And with Calabas travels. I don't know if there are any texts before this in English literature which have this idea of the gentle Child. Right? Yeah? So you have the small thug which you'll find in all societies everywhere. Right? Yeah? You'll find that in India everywhere on the road you'll have a small little person who's a bunda. Okay? And has got nuisance value. Right? Not an educated man or woman. Not, Women now we don't get in, but the idea is if women get up like that, will be very interesting, right? Where they they actually become nuisances, but I don't think uh, women actually do that, right? Yeah, uh, I I don't know if uh, they get into all that, right? But the most uh, important thing is uh, we are talking about uh, the idea of a, a petty person who can be a a big nuisance, right? And in India, you get plenty of Right? Plenty of them who can actually create rackets all around, right? For no rhyme or reason. Yeah? And that's exactly what you have with people who are in the police. Right? Yeah? I'm not talking about the people who the police who actually go and kill other people and shoot them down and all that. No, I'm not even talking about that. Right? But they say, Well, this is a law. By this law you have to do it. Right? And it's a question of what Socrates would call People being ignorant. Right? So platonic, the Platonic idea is that all man, men, all people are good, inherently good. That's the understanding. Right? Yeah. But they are ignorant. And if they do all these things, it's not because they are wicked or bad, but they are ignorant people. Right? Now that's the position of Gulliver. Right? That's the position of Gulliver in the text. And he is standing outside them because he's not one of them. Right? Yeah. And actually the, the, uh, this and all that work with him actually being one of them. You get that? In a- the actual world, he's one of them. Right? Uh, he's actually looking at how these things are operating and he can see the mechanisms of the operations. Right? It's like being a political science student or an English literature student, and being aware of all the political mechanizations and being helpless, right? And because I'm educated, right? And because education gives me this kind of uh, superior status or sophistication or whatever that status is, right? I become in- incapable of actually doing anything to people, right? Yeah, and you actually. You understand that people are acting nuts. What's happened? It's gone off. Right? You actually you understand that people are acting nuts. You understand that people are acting difficult, right? You understand where they're coming from, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're saying of destruction of a population? Yeah. Right? Some people actually believe in uh, destroying a population, right? The policy is such that uh, that's what we've done to the Dalits for centuries in India, right? Yeah, we've, our policies have been to see that they are disputed, right and it's though uh, the present government is trying to uh, pick holes at Nehru one of the saddest things about Nehru and Gandhi is that they were anti-Dalit, right yeah, and in a very sophisticated manner right, so uh, when you actually study the documents you find that they are actually positing this whole idea of Hinduism being the uh, being the religion of India right Yeah, and both of them and that's what Gail Ongbid takes up uh, rather strongly in the visions right but then the question is uh, how do policies work right and we are talking about a person who can actually uh, Socrates is talking about the philosopher king right who can see the whole situation around right and who knows how to act in it right and set it right You'll get that in another text by a man called Miguel de Cervantes, right? Where this Don Quixote character is, in many ways, talked about as a mad person, right, or a crazy person who's all the time reading, right? Okay, and the understanding is also that he can actually uh, find uh, faults, right, in the in the littlest of things right and he is at a philosophical level so he doesn't get into the kind of problem right he can find faults with people's english uh, with people's spanish right because it's the spanish right and he knows what the right forms are in the language right but he doesn't attack them for it right he lets them have the wrong forms of the language right it's like somebody talks wrong english to you right and you don't have a problem because you are not challenged because You know the language. You get that? Right? Who are the people who are actually affected by all this? Right? You'll find people who don't know English, or don't know Spanish, right? Or don't know German, whatever that is, if you're speaking any of the languages, right? And some of them are very uncomfortable about it. Right? They'll actually go out of the way to show that they're speaking the right stuff, though they're speaking the wrong stuff. Right? Yeah? So that's the kind of thing that's going on over here. Perhaps it's because of Cervantes, because Cervantes is Don Quixote is a very important uh, text as far as the history of the novel is concerned. Again, okay? uh, and uh, there was a Spanish gentleman who, of course, he died here in Baroda, and once he was telling me, he says, "Well, uh, Shakespeare, he's not even half as good as uh, Cervantes, right?" And he, he says, "Well, he so Shakespeare learned a lot of from Cervantes, but." Uh, he can't even really come up to that, right? So, well, that might be true. I don't know enough Spanish, and I'm not read. Uh, I don't even know Spanish at all, right? And I, we can't even say that uh, when we're talking about uh, Shakespeare, can we compare it, all those kind of things we can't do, but somebody who knows both the languages may be able to do that, right? But the idea is, from a statistics essay, uh, sorry, I can get you the reference, I've got the book text somewhere, right? They uh, yeah, actually this idea of looking at Don Quixote as a madman right, that's how many of us look at him, especially when we study him in English, right but uh, there's a, an essay that I have which is saying that here this man actually knows what's going on and he actually knows the wrong forms and the right form, right so when I know the right form and I can see wrong forms, that's a linguistic example, but we're talking about in the political world, you can see the wrong form, right? Right? How does the Dalit look at uh, the structure of society? Right? They are the victims of all this kind of thing, right? With the modern state, they are also the victims. With the Reservation Act and after the Puna Pact and all those kind of things, they are actually the victims, right? They can see how victimhood is operating for them, right? You and I can't see that because we are not victims, right? So that's What is important? Right? So, uh, we are talking about are you in this framework and are you getting the advantages out of it? Right? And that's why you have the notion of the philosopher king. Right? The philosopher king is supposed to think about everybody, not about my framework, but I am supposed to think about the least person in my kingdom. Right? So, this is the idea that is, an idea that is there in Plato. Right? Actually, it's Socrates' idea Plato is representing or writing well what uh, Socrates is doing, right? So the idea of the philosopher king is a very, very, very strong idea which is coming down over here where it says, look, I'm a giant. I can put all these people to death. But I still want to have my understanding of the world which is something that the British get from the Romans, right? And the Romans get them from the Greeks, yeah? So you can see how that is how the culture is uh, transmitted along, right? The whole idea of, I might be a king who is very powerful and very merciless, right? But do I want to look at myself like that? Right? And that's something that happens in Rome before they come to England, right? Yeah? So that's some kind of understanding of the human being and the idea of citizenship, which is a very, very important idea. Right? Yeah? And the whole idea is, I must appear and be a good person, right? And, okay, and good means, by the Socratic term, what I'm supposed to be, right? So as a king, I'm supposed to be a philosopher king. I'm not supposed to be like a gunda on the road, okay, torturing my subjects, right? Yeah, so he actually can say, well, i throw, throw you, he, how would it be if you had a galaga who says, well, you call yourself a king, I can tear you to bits and he puts it down and then says, look, if all the people want, if you want to live, right, then you follow my laws and make me the king and I'm the king now. Well, couldn't you have a narrative that way, right? Sorry for trying to edit the narrative, right? But I was just saying, if this had to happen, right, the narrative would be a different narrative, Right? And it would be a narrative of uh, usurpation of actually taking up power and using the power to tyrannize people, right? But what has happened by this time is you already have this idea of the enlightenment happening in Europe, right? And in Europe and in England also you already have people who are talking like Hobbes, right? They are actually talking about the human being being a horrible, nasty uh, kind of animal. The critique of the parliament is also taking place. This kind of political developments are taking place. The critique of the church has already happened with, in the time of Martin Luther and all the subsequent puritanical uh, uh, kind of orders which have splintered the church after that. right? And all these debates are still very much alive. Right? Of course, as far as the Anglicans are concerned, this is... in many ways this was a settling kind of period in the time of Charles II because the Bible which was already translated by James I the English uh, uh, the the King James version of the Bible at this point in time the Bible becomes available to the common people right? You have all these uh, terrible fights about uh, translation of the Bible before Martin Luther in Wycliffe's part time and all those historical records we have and when we come to this point of time you actually have the Bible which is settled down, right people read the Bible in church okay, or at least that kind of English uh, services have happened in the Anglican church, not in the Roman Catholic church, right, and maybe uh, in the uh, in the uh, puritanical the, the Puritan churches, okay, whether they're Presbyterians or uh, whatever they are, right? The different denominations where you have uh, no statues, no church, just an ordinary room, right? And people sit down and read the Bible together, right? Now that's some, some kind of settling down which takes place. And I wouldn't say it's an absolute settling down. It slowly settles down, right? And that's on the religious front and the, the whole idea of the religious conversion, right? Now, uh, yeah, so uh, who, if you are looking at that, then what happens over here, is here you have an educated man, right, who's actually looking at what the problems the Irish face, because he's half Irish, yeah, and as an Anglican he gets all the benefits, right, and he's, one leg is in England, one leg uh, leg is in Ireland, and he keeps moving between the two places, right, so that's exactly what Swift is doing, right? And look at Gulliver, he's going from uh, Bethesda to Lilliput and that's the kind of thing that is actually happening, right? Yeah. And the question is, do I want to be a gentle giant? Do I want to show my idea of education, right? Or, and the idea of insight and the idea of being a philosopher king? Or do I get uh, to be a tyrant? Right? Because the idea of the tyrant was a good idea initially. Right? Yeah? And the idea of the tyrant perhaps changes. Right? The tyrant was actually a good person who was a king. Right? And he was called a tyrannos. Right? Yeah? And the idea of the tyrant, the word tyrannos or the word tyrant keeps changing. Right? So that's why you have Socrates' sorry, uh, you have Sophocles' uh Oedipus Tyrannus, right? It's not, later we translated as Oedipus Rex, right? Yeah, but it's actually Oedipus Tyrannus, right? Because the 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 ruler was called a tyrant, right? And the tyrant was supposed to be a good thing, right? Yeah? So, uh, we are talking about power and we are talking about politics, right? And we are talking about size and could he just squash them up? Right? Yeah? Yeah? We, and we go back to the Bible and we talk about Samson Agonistes, right? Where, the, where all the Philistines are small little dwarfs in front, and that's the imagery that Swift is using over here, right? So all these dwarfs take their little uh, uh, kind of slings and arrows and trouble him, right? In the Bible, they use the jawbone of an axe and they tickle him, right? Yeah? So what's happening over here is it's like little ants that tickle you right okay you might not get hit or you might not be get pained by them but it's a, a kind of distraction and irritation slight irritation yeah And you want to have the ants of you right yeah I'm sure all of us have had, had all these ants which are uh, non troublesome they're not they're not uh, going to bite you even right of course here you have arrows which bite right arrows which are poison all those kind of things in the text, right? Yeah. So the question is, the poison is, itself becomes metaphorical, right? It's not. Uh, the idea is a little person can create so much venom, okay? And you can get that with the roadside, the corner, uh, the corner uh, dweller, right? Who's always creating a racket in your locality, right? You have that all over India and all over the world. We are one of two people who don't have anything, uh, they don't have a position in society and the only way of, of living or getting any social recognition, right, is by creating rackets, right, and all that you do is you try to humor them because you can't deal with them, right, so you give them gifts, you try to water them down, you try to give them a job, you try to do all those things, right, and this is exactly what they are, right. Now, of course, uh, Swift is talking about many people who are like that, right? When you have your whole culture, which is like that, then it's very difficult to manage. If you have one person, you can manage, you can put him right, right? Or try to pacify the person. But what happens when you have your whole country like that? That's what Swift is doing, right? And then it's not he's saying that I would like to get the, I, the desire to get away from all this, right? Right. So you can interpret that as a symbolic act of getting away, right? And trying to get out of all this base kind of sexual allegations and impossible kinds of sexual allegations, etc. Right? Now, whether Swift was asexual or not, that's a question, and I don't know whether we can answer that, right? Because uh, that's more spe- speculation and. There are some kind of predicts who might go into that kind of area and say that, well, he was asexual. Some people might even go and say that he's gay. Uh, Unless we have proofs for that, uh, I'm a little reluctant to go there, right? Yeah? So, uh, we don't know about all that. But then the question is, these are irritations, which are used from time immemorial till today, right? Talk about somebody uh, being corrupt. Talk about somebody having a lot of women, right, all those kind of things, okay, and of course, uh, I don't know if anybody uh, has used the gay thing to uh, calling somebody gay and uh, and that way to, to tarnish their reputation, I don't know if that's happened, right, yeah, but, uh, and I don't know whether the gays would actually think that that's tarnishing of their reputation or anything of the sort, I don't know. Right, I I can't even of course the the gays are treated much worse than that, that's a different story but this whole idea of using uh, the idea of women and using the idea of corruption and money dealings and money laundering and all those kind of things uh, have been old ways of uh, uh, denaturing somebody who's actually trying to do some work right, yeah, so that's fun and that's what all the lilimitants in uh, the metaphorical sense stand for right yeah and he's talking about the whole nation being us right and we did all these things about reward and punishment and all that right and you find that that's a flawed system right the whole idea of reward and punishment uh, he's actually asking for a neutrality of the state right yeah why should the state interfere and give you a reward and give you punishment right yeah and the question is the punishment might be in in, uh, the way of taxes, right? So that's one of the ways of punishment, right? Which we all accept as okay, right? We've all come to know that if I don't pay my uh, bills on time, the the state might tax me, right? And I don't have a problem with that, right? We've all come to accept that, right? Yeah? So that's what is punishment, right? And we all know that if uh, we murder somebody, Right? Uh, we can be called up by the judiciary and the police and be put in jail. Right? So that kind of punishment uh, is accepted by uh, ordinary people that this is the only way to deal with somebody who is anti-social. Right? Yeah? So uh, your question is important because it's actually talking about this idea is can I crush them? Yeah? and. In the text, as a giant, I can crush them, right, yeah, and the question is I choose not to, right, I choose not to crush them because I have another kind of value system, right, and I have, I am this kind of a gentle person, right, so gentleness is a very important kind of value that uh, Gulliver is actually trying to talk about, right, yeah, and Uh, the idea is that this is small and it's beautiful because it's small it's different but I still regard them and respect them, right? So that's the neoclassical balance, right? They have all these kind of very strange customs but I'm not uh, chastising them, right? I'm just taking them up and saying that, well, these are the customs, they're strange, right? They're, They're not the things that I believe in, right? But they do all these things and I'm just observing it, right? And I don't I don't think I should take arms against them because I'm not even in their system. Right? Now when you look at, look at that, politically, right, that becomes a very sad kind of story. Right? Because I am in the system and I can't do anything. Do you get that? And that's actually what happens in Swift. Right? And that's what happens to any educated person. Okay? Uh, whether you take India, you take Britain, or you take any, any thinking person has all these problems. Right? Because... There is only one way to, uh, to do things, to squash people up, right? And that's a thinking person won't do it, an educated person won't do it, right? And this idea which you might have read in Ruskin, right? When he, he talks in the introduction to his, uh, uh, what's this called? Under this last, he's talking about a training in gentleness, right? Now that's something that comes up and that's very important, right? And of course, in in our systems in India, I don't know whether we've got any training in gentleness, right? Because you don't find anybody who's gentle. Right? Yeah, I I don't even think that's a a value in our system and our culture at all. Right? Yeah? So he's talking about this kind of training and what is going on over here. And at one level, the text is glorifying this idea of the John Bull or the English gentleman who is... uh, a very polite gentleman, right? Okay? So that's the idea, right? And the idea is, this is an educated person, uh, a person who knows his philosophy and won't be this kind of a bully, right? Or this kind of tyrant because he is educated. Is that okay? Uh, I'm sorry, that was a long answer, but then your question also uh, is a question of, uh, how do we deal with this right yeah any any other responses oh, uh, sorry uh, there are some responses that we have just uh, look at them right Yeah. Uh, destroying a population yeah and uh, but they were tenth of his size and he could have crushed the entire population in twos uh, yeah. yeah if he wanted to right yeah so yes that's true he could have cut yeah so why doesn't he do it right oh why don't you get a gentle ruler and sometimes the gentle ruler is taken advantage of and all these kind of things right, yeah, do you find that Gulliver is taken advantage of yes he does, right and he also footsots himself, right yeah, they try to use him to negotiate uh, between uh, Bethesklu and uh, Lilibet right, yeah, they're trying to use his strength and his power right, which is all what we can see that in international politics today, right, we can see what's happening between Modi and Trump and uh, Putin and all these kind of things when we look at it and how one is trying to use the other because they think one is bigger than the other, right, yeah, so it's not it's not out of our world, right, we're talking about size and who's stronger, right, at one point of time Everybody is trying to band with China, right? And they can't decide who's bigger. Is America bigger or China bigger? And which is the biggest, right? And always, uh, the little ones, like India is very little compared to China, right? In military strength and all sorts of things, right? Yeah? And, uh, and America. India is still a small little player. India doesn't matter, right? So if you look at India and you look at Nepal, you look at Pakistan, you look at... Uh, Myanmar, you look at all the places which are uh, around the place okay, Vietnam, Myanmar, all those kind of places, right, then India is a very big brother, right, it's almost like a huge kind of uh, is a big sized creature right, yeah, and of course at one point of time you could have easily squashed them out, right but if there is no international uh, court of justice, if there are no international laws, right then we go back to an earlier kind of barbarity Right, yeah, so that's it, right? Oh, what we have, uh, oh, oh, you have your own people who, uh, who pull the carpet under your own feet, right? Like what happened with Mrs. Gandhi when in 1972, whenever the Indo-Bangladesh thing took place and you had this fight, yeah? It was already decided to take over Pakistan, right? Yeah, and somebody from the cabinet leaked it out we, didn't, we uh, I don't know whether they had sophisticated gadgets to find out who it was, right? But that's how it got around. And that's when we couldn't take over Pakistan, right? Yeah. So you might like to think about all these things when we're talking about the big and the little, right? Yeah. So when you're talking about a political system, which Swift is actually doing, right? You're talking about the giant, and what are the constraints of the giant, right? okay if you take the samson kind of image right then they blind samson out right okay here this is not this is education sophistication culture which is the kind of blind uh, the kind of uh, restraint that the uh, the giant is exercising because of a different value system right and why would he want to first of all do they give him cause to uh, squash them off right that's not there right yeah what they do is something that doesn't even matter right so that's the other side right it's irritating it's disgusting but it's not of any consequence right it's political not of any consequence and it's disgusting it's a little thing so we can ignore it and push on right yeah so that's the idea right and that's exactly how he behaves as a very polite kind of English gentleman, right? Uh, I don't know if I've answered that, right? Uh, But, uh, yes, Uh, yeah, yeah. What was the use of destroying a population, right? Yeah. Yeah. What was the use of destroying a population? Yeah, some people just derive power by getting rid of people, right? Yeah, we've had all the totalitarian regimes, right? Your your power, and whenever you call anybody great, whether it's Aurangzeb or Akbar or uh, Ashoka or Alexander, okay, what is that great? Yeah, the great is how many people have you destroyed? Then you're great. Yeah, so whenever you think of anybody as great in in all these political senses, uh, we're all talking about that kind of greatness where you destroy people, and what Swift is positing is another kind of greatness which is. The philosopher king, right? And uh, the high point is probably after Smith, right? Yeah, then or oh, very near over here, where you have Franz Joseph, right? And the idea is, uh, I think it's him, right? When we have the context for Romanticism, uh, where he he runs away with a friend, right? And his father catches hold of him, and the king catches hold of him, and the uh, what's it called? It's called the Kaiser right the Kaiser right yeah the Kaiser gets hold of him and he gets him back home and the way he punishes his son right yeah who's going to be the next ruler right is he chops of his friends of head off in front of him right and that has a tremendous amount of psychological impact on this campus right and he decides, that he's going to be a good king by softening standards, right? That's the philosopher king, right? And he says, I love my people, but I don't trust people anymore, right? Okay, I have my dogs, I have my horses, I can trust them, but not human beings, right? Yeah, and let my horses and dogs love me, right? And the people love him, but he doesn't have that kind of uh, and he actually says when I die, bury me with my horses and my dogs right, so that's the kind of thing, and he actually is a good ruler he thinks of the littlest person in his kingdom Right. so the idea of thinking of the little is something else that is being said over here, and the, the text is actually doing has all these ideas around, right so the question is, can he squash them up why would he want to squash them right first of all they've not irritated them at all right yeah uh, and the kind of irritation is like uh, these ants which come on you and it's only irritating to have them on you they're not going to bite you right and even if they try to bite you or an ant if an ant bites you what do you do right yeah uh first would probably hit the ant and kill it off right and of course we know that if an ant bites uh, any insect many of the insects would bite us because they bite us, they die because of that, right, yeah, so they're actually fighting a far uh, more powerful kind of creature, right, and in in the act of saving themselves, right, or saving the community, we don't understand that, right, they actually kill themselves, right, so all those things are there and normally when you talk about a mosquito biting, right, you hit the mosquito and kill it, right, and uh, if you have many mosquitoes, then that's a problem, right? Because they keep harassing you, right? And they're not big bites or terrible bites, but they're little bites which irritate, you know? So, the question of the irritant becomes important, right? And that's exactly how it's in the Bible where you have the Philistines who use the jawbone of an axe to actually irritate Samson, right? Yeah? And of course, uh, at one point of time, Samson gets irritated and he Uh, he squashes a lot of them up, right? Yeah, so I think uh, that's true, and of course uh, so the idea is uh, of course Samson and Samson Agonistes has become a very important issue when we're talking about terrorism today, right? And uh, Milton Samson Agonistes, the story of Samson Agonistes itself is under threat because they say, well, what are you teaching people? You're teaching people about terrorism. You're taking people to be self-bombers, right? Yeah? The first self-bomber, okay, uh, is a bed bomber, whatever you want to call them, is uh, this person called Samson Agonistes, right? Yeah? And that's what Milton is talking about, and that's what he's doing. He's destroying himself and destroying everybody else, right? And what Swift is doing over here is not that. Swift is saying, let's preserve them. Let me go away. What's the use of being here? And I'm disgusted and I'm fed up and I'm going away. And I want to travel again. Okay, And I don't want to get into any of their politics anymore. Right? Yeah? So, at one level, he's doing what the anthropologists do, coming and observing other people's cultures. Right? Of course, when we uh, look at it, it's not... Uh, other people's cultures. It looks as if it's other people's culture, but he's actually talking about his own culture, right? So he look using this anthropological gaze or the technique of the anthrop- uh, anthropological gaze to look at my own culture and to make it into a culture studies kind of gaze, right? So I'm looking at my own culture and saying, well, this is it. And I can't say that because sedition might come upon me, right? So I make and write a narrative of this kind. So what happens is I people can read it, people can think about it, and people can't do anything to me, right? So we're talking about the law and negotiating all these things and writing this kind of treatise, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, we have a lot of time, right? In choosing persons for, for all employment, they have more regard to good morals than other abilities. For since, okay, so the question is, this is again, do you have a good man which, who is talented? So we're talking about character, right? We're talking about who do you give a job to? Do you give a job to a good person, right? Or do you give a uh, to a good person, morally good, or do you give a job to a talented person, right? Now that comes up uh, after Bacon and this whole idea of intelligence and how do you use intelligence? Right, you can be very intelligent and you can be evil, okay, or you can be not so intelligent, right, and uh, and productive, right, or not against the state, right, and this is what is of course <coughs> something that we have today, right, where you find that the mediocre or almost average people are appointed, right, and when you're talking about employing people, right, you employ people are not very intelligent right because you want to retain them if you get an intelligent person right we we started thinking about I started thinking about this especially when we had all these people who are recruited for uh, all these uh, informatics kind of jobs. that's uh, the computer jobs right and you you wonder why they only choose average people okay and sometimes little less than average right yeah so, the, so one of the people who was a recruiter was telling me, he says, well, if we get better people, then the retrenchment rate is very high, right? They immediately try to get and get away. Not retrenchment, it's the, the whole idea of uh, keeping them in, in uh, the organization, okay? Or the retention is something that uh, is very difficult, right? Because if you get a very talented person, the talented person will go away, mm-hmm. right? And no company actually wants that because... You've trained people up, okay? Or even if you have not trained them, people have got used to your method of function, right? And then what happens is you go away, right? So what happens there is you lose out, yeah? The company loses out, and we're talking about resource management, right? It's only that, well, uh, with our present kind of government, they don't think about all these things, right? They don't think about that idea, and this whole idea of the brain drain, right? where we talk about the very intelligent people leaving India and going to other places, right? Yeah? And they're they're producing there and they're giving to their economy instead of giving our economy, right? And then when you get this debate up, which is a very interesting debate, right? Uh, we, uh, We actually begin to wonder, what happens if these people stay in India, right? And today, of course, there's a friend of mine from North Gujarat who sent me a very interesting forward, right? which is saying that all the people above 70, right, in India have to pay tax, right? And they're they're going to be taxed in every kind of way. They've been taxed all their life, right? And India doesn't bother about that, right? Now, that's a reason for a lot of people leaving the country, right? Yeah, now we're talking about that. So shouldn't you find some way of getting them here because the brain drain is actually what we call human resources, right, and the crunch. And this is also talking about that, right. So should you not try to see that people have better kind of facilities so that they can live in your country happily and don't go to another place, right. Yeah, so that's of course today's situation, right. But the question is, uh, they're they're talking about a moral uh, value and then their abilities, right. Okay, so one of the things that can happen and that's uh, we're talking about in this Christopher Hill's idea of a a century of revolutions, right? So what can happen is if you get a more intelligent person, right? The person may actually take over your system, right? And uh, control everything, right? Yeah, and that happens in universities all the time, right? And that's why universities are in a mess today because Uh, Every the the people that they appoint are not good enough, right? And they don't get people who are better than them. Uh, Most people who uh, appoint people try to appoint people who are less uh, qualified than them, right? Because they won't be able to handle people who are more intelligent, right? I remember when I joined the maths department in Pune University, there was this giant of a a mathematician called C. K. Raju, right, who had come, who had finished his PhD from the Indian Statistical Institute, Calcutta, some some fantastic place like that, right. And the head of the department was a political uh, kind of appointee called uh, Takre. right. Yeah, and of course he became the vice chancellor, which is what uh, most of these people do, right. Who are not academically uh, qualified, they somehow landed up as vice chancellors, right. Yeah, so he became the Vice Chancellor of North Gujarat University and uh, well, I this happened just before I joined the Maths Department and all my seniors used to tell me uh, about the, the kind of uh, the fight that took place, right? Because this man, uh, who was the head of the department, actually says, I'm going to take your interview, right? And of course, the reason was C.K. Radio used to smoke in class, right? Like another... A person called uh, Professor Dadich, right? He used to have his lecture and he couldn't have a lecture without smoking, right? So he used to have his lecture, keep smoking, and do the mathematics, right? And they were definitely brilliant. Uh, Dadich became the, head, the director of IUCA, that's the first uh, uh, astronomy kind of department that you have, right? Uh, yeah, so that's it. And they would the head of the department came to interview Raju. And I asked Raju, well, uh, I'm going to take your interview. He says, you are going to take my interview, I'll take your interview, right? Of course, that was democratic India, right? So, you you have all these kinds of issues if you have an intelligent person, right? So, the government dump things down and you want to dump people all around. Because if I want to be in power, right, then I have to see that I have people who are not very intelligent, right? So the excuse, of course, might be, we're talking about a good moral person. But the idea of the good moral person is, got to dig in it, right? And it's very political, because I say, I want a good moral person, right? And not his intelligence, but his morality, right? And what happens over there? He might be good, and he might be stupid. And that's important, right? Yeah, so we have an intelligent person, and a good person, which you would choose, right? And you would choose the good instead of the intelligent, because the intelligent is a danger and a threat to you, right? So you get all that, and he's actually talking about the politics of Lilliput, right? Yeah. So uh, is that? I hope that has made sense, right? Uh, yes. And yeah, you tell me when it's time. It's 45 minutes by my watch, right? By uh, the timer, right? Yeah, Uh, for since government is necessary to mankind, they believe that the common size of human understanding is fitted to some station or other and that Providence never intended to make the management of public affairs a mystery to be comprehended only by a few persons of sublime genius for which they seldom are three born in an age, but they suppose truth justice and temperance are the like to be in every man's power and the practice of which virtues assisted by experience and a good intention would qualify any man for the service of the country except where a course of study is required. Right? Now that's a wonderful long sentence. Right? And that's the kind of style that you have. Right? Please notice that this is a huge sentence that we have, which later becomes what you call the Victorian sentence, right? Which is slowly disappearing. Uh, yeah, maybe 20 years ago, you still found that in the newspapers, right? The huge Victorian sentence. And of course, when I was in Patan uh, we had a person who was a Sanskrit uh, teacher. I think he had retired already, right? He was Mr. but right? And he was a very, uh, he, well, he was actually one of the only people I've found, right, who would actually give you, when he spoke, he would give you a Victorian sentence with a full stop and the comma, etc. Right? Now, I've never seen anybody like that. And uh, those people have perhaps gone away, right? But these are Indians who learned English from textbooks, right? And the Victorian sentence is this long. It's later called the Victorian sentence. Uh, Victoria is much later than this, Right? And it's actually this kind of long kind of sentence which is important when we're talking about control of the language, right? And can we write such long sentences? And one of the things that Swift is doing, Swift is showing us, we may not be deliberately, but this is the style of English that they learn at that point of time. Or oh, he writes in that kind of manner, right? Uh, and that's uh, linking it to official kind of discourse and Latin and syntax, right? where you have tremendous control over the sentence, right? So we might begin with small sentences and the ideal is, of course, to write a long sentence like this, right? Where uh, a peculiar part of the English language is how do you get different, disparate ideas and combine them into one sentence, right? So can you just look at that and think about that sentence, right? And that's very interesting because today everything after the internet is how do you make only simple sentences right Uh, so even compound sentences are discouraged right but we're talking about simple sentences and we try to make everything in simple sentences that's the internet style because uh, when I was a dot-com when I was a a dot-com executive or whatever that called me right Uh, we had to I had to actually learn how to write these kind of things right okay because In 8 seconds, if I can't read it, I will close the site down. That's 8 seconds. 8 seconds, right? So, you have to write a sentence which makes sense to somebody who's reading it in 8 seconds, right? So, this kind of sentence, you'll have to go back and read it, right? And you get it in choosing persons of all employment. Yeah? The more regard for world models and greater abilities. For since government is necessary to mankind, right? Now, that is a given. Government is necessary for mankind, right? Okay, that's there in the British psyche and then we have to have a government. Otherwise, we have something called anarchy. No government. anarchy is a rule. Anarchy is no rule, right? Yeah, we have to have, we have to have a government, right? No government is not okay. That means it's anarchy, right? So, uh... Uh, They believe that the common size of human understanding is fitted to some station or the other and that Providence never intended to make the management of public affairs a mystery so be comprehended only by few persons of sublime genius, right? Now, only some people will understand all the workings of the government, right? Yeah, and management of public affairs, right? And of course, it's not supposed to be a mystery, right? We have problems with the PMKS fund because we are saying that there is no transparency, right? Yeah, and government cannot be a mystery, right? Whether it's at the local level or even in a private company or in a university, all the reasons of why you're doing what you're doing should be out in the open, right? Yeah, and that's uh, what the other day there was the ISRO scientists who were arrested. And the names are being spoiled and their lights are being spoiled and all that kind of thing, right? And they've suddenly been given a compensation of one crore of rupees because they were called Pakistani spies, right? And uh, Shekhar Gupta links it up with uh, the Sushant case, uh, Sushan Singh case, right? And saying, well, it's just like uh, the Ria Chakravarti, whatever that, uh, I don't know what the name is, right? Uh, yeah, the girlfriend, right? But there's no proof, there's no nothing about it at all, right? Yeah, And that's exactly what happened with the Istro case. It was a case which was cooked up, right? Before you had fake news and all that kind of things, right? And people just kept latching on to that. And a lot of energy and the lives of two good scientists will destroy, right? Yeah, And the question is transparency, right? And he talks about how he met Kalam on a plane when Kalam was not the president or he was not even as great, right? And he says, well, I'm from Mistro and all our stuff is out in the public domain. It's not private anymore, right? So the question is, we're talking about transparency and no government is expected to be what you call mystical or mysterious, right? When we talk about governance, we have to have open kind of governance, right? Yeah, so he's talking about that and... Uh, he's saying that these people have and this is an open secret right? We don't hire the best people or the most intelligent people but we hire good people to manage, right? Now of course uh, is that a good idea? Because intelligent people also need jobs right? And I have a lot of very very intelligent friends who are actually suffering because they don't get uh, good employment, right? And you, you and they can't handle uh, the mediocre, right? Yeah? Like Swift, Swift understands what his problem is, right? But a lot of these don't understand what their problem is, right? They don't understand that other people are less intelligent than them and they have to suffer all that, right? And even if they do understand, they still suffer, right? Yeah, and they don't get jobs because they're too intelligent, right? So, uh, you might like to think about that, and the open secret is we always hire the less intelligent, the mediocre. But then the question in India today is, when we talk about university appointments, that's leading to mediocrity in departments, right? So there's one mediocre person who hires a less mediocre person, right? Than them, uh, 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 no, sorry, a more mediocre person than them, right? And a more mediocre person, and then the mediocrity keeps spreading so that I don't get challenged and my political domain doesn't get challenged, right? Yeah, and that's why uh, our wonderful education system is on the back burner and we don't get any wet, right? Yeah, so that's something to be th- thought about because at one point of time we as a nation might want to change this and actually have a world-class universities, not in name, but really world-class universities, right? Which we have to look at and think about, right? Uh yeah. Uh right. Uh we talked about the mystery. Yeah, this is a long sentence, right? And then he says, but they sub they suppose truth, justice, and temperance and the like to be in every man's power. Right? Now he's going back to the idea of Socrates, right? And you're already studying that in your criticism course, right? We're talking about Uh, Socrates calling himself a midwife right and trying to draw the truth right Yeah, so he's talking about eternal values of truth justice and temperance we don't believe in all these things today right we don't believe in a Socrates world because what is the truth your truth and my truth are different yeah and that's the world that we come to in the 20th century but Socrates believed that there was something called truth right and everybody knew the truth And we all come from a world where we knew the truth and therefore we could recognize truth right now that's a a one kind of uh, position of course we don't uh, look at it any day uh, anyway right but he's saying that these people are a very good kind of people right because they actually believe in these versions right they actually actually are people who believe in truth justice and temperance right and you say well what a great population right if you believe in the absolute of justice you believe in the absolute of truth and you believe in the absolute of temperance and the like then you are really a great civilization and then the question of destroying them uh, doesn't arise yeah okay fine uh, you said that it's time uh, so shall I stop right is that okay right so uh, do we meet again at one tomorrow yes or no Yes, okay, fine. Uh, And I'll wind up and I'll send you this. I hope uh, I answered your questions and I hope this makes sense because the text is not as simple as it seems to be. Right? Yeah? And I'm sorry, I'm giving you Indian examples so that we can actually understand what's going on and understand our own world because that's the position that the text is supposed to take us to. Right? Otherwise, there's no point in studying it if you don't keep India in mind. Right? Otherwise we will be like the NEP where we are going to get foreign people who, who don't understand India, don't understand his, Indian history talking about things. Yeah, Thank you.